It's my pleasure to introduce Pin. And um, I want you to try and imagine you go to a country that's not your country and you find there are a lot of people like you from loads of different nations who are there. It's not their country, but that's where they are. And they're believers or seekers and they're looking for a place where they can worship. And your instinct would be, I bet, well, where are the English congregation? Where's the English church where I can mix with people like me and, uh, and uh, enjoy church that way? And if you were in the country that Pin comes from, you could do that. But Pin and Hannah are about, have caught a vision for something much more than that, which is Jesus said he's broken down the dividing wall between all people groups. And that there is in Christ one new man from many, many backgrounds. And when you go to the church that Pin leads, you go to a multicultural, multinational, multilingual church that gathers in this Gulf state, Gulf country. And, uh, uh, and it is amazing what they are building there uh, across this, these, these very mixed uh, backgrounds, languages, cultures. Uh, and it's called, a church is called Family of Grace, and I don't want to steal what he's going to say, but it is a family, and it is full of grace. So let's welcome Pin as he just comes to share with us. Can you hear me? Okay. So uh, my name is Pin, as Dave has introduced quite well. My, my full name, actually, he, he, didn't, he doesn't know the, my full name. My full name is Pin Yar Lang Shabong Konsim. That is my full name. It's a very long name. I think it'll take you a while to really get into that name. Okay, so I will leave it there, but you can call me Pin. So I lead the church there in Oman, in the capital city of Oman called Muscat. It's a wonderful city, married to Hannah, and we met in Oman. We got married in Oman. All our three children were born in Oman. And it's wonderful. Oman is a special place for us. And we felt God wants us to be there for quite probably another few years from now. And we might probably move somewhere. We don't know quite sure where we'll be. So that's, uh, that's who I am. That's my family. And I think God has arranged our marriage so well, me and Hannah, that we, I came from the east and Hannah came from the west and we got married in the Middle East. <laughs> And what a place to get married, I thought. What a place to meet. And uh, it's a long story to tell you how I met Hannah, but uh, you can ask me later on how I met her. So that's how I met. And I just want to bring greetings from Oman to you all. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of sunshine, I think, I brought. <laughs> a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of greetings from Oman, uh, a family of Grace Church. But you call this summer, I think I'll have to laugh. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Summer in Oman is... 45, between 45 and 50 degrees at the moment. <laughs> it's really hot. And the humidity is 80, 85. It's really, really hot and sweaty. I was so glad to, you know, get out from that place and come here for 21 days and relax. And apart from that, I, it's my holiday. I normally don't go and preach on my holiday. And uh, I don't know whether it was announced last week in the church that I'll be preaching here. Fine, no problem. I just found out last Tuesday Thursday that I'm going to be preaching here. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with what Dave is doing. He is going to revenge on me. When he came to Oman, to our church, I always tell Dave two days before he preached. 
I said, Dave, can you preach day after tomorrow? He said, mm, okay, I'll do it. So now he got his revenge on me. <laughs> and he told me last Thursday, I just borrowed the Bible from my wife. So hopefully, if you don't get what I'm saying, I'm with you. <laughs> so that is the greetings from Oman. And also, another thing I, I just want to share with you today, the message that God put in my heart is what it's only been shared in the meeting today during the time of worship. It's only been shared, the love of God and the grace of God that we are, all being, we are all safe by. And it's just amazing to hear that. And also, so I'm just going to continue with that, flow in the Spirit and flow with you. And uh, so that's, I'm going to do it, yeah? So a little bit of myself also, I think it's good for you to know, I'm from the northeast of India. Northeast is close to Bhutan, Bangladesh, China, Myanmar. So I'm somewhere in the middle of all of that. So I come from a place that you must have read in geography that we are the heaviest rainfall in the world place. And it rains 40 feet of rain average every year. That is a lot of rain. So I have just been there last April with a team from uh, Muscat for a conference in my place, and I took one of the Englishmen to my, to my place, Ian McNaught from Huddersfield, and he came with me. He was amazed to see that, and uh, he said, yes, been, uh, he was so glad to be, a, to, to be in that place and see the whole thing, and it's, it was still raining. It was not a rainy season, but it's still raining in that place, so that is the place I come from, and I come from a family, a Christian family that is very, uh, you can say, traditional Presbyterians. And I was born in that family. My mom and dad always tell me to go to church. And I always go because they told me to do it. It's not because I wanted to do it. Okay, so that's what I want to say to you. And then, at the age of 23, is an age whereby I encountered Jesus in my life. And I was encountering him at the lowest point. And I, can, I, just, I just felt that today also God is going to encounter you, I think, at the very lowest point, at the point of need that you really need Him and God really wants to show up. And at that point, I was totally out of control. My family has no more control over me. I was on my own. I was doing my civil engineering university, and I didn't, I didn't complete it. I was so messed up because I was playing all sorts of things. I was, I was a rock singer, by the way. I, I form a band. And uh, I think David and Jill will know that <laughs> he has been to our place. So we form a band and we, we kind of like, he has seen me leading the worship there. So I do have that kind of thing. So when I was in the band, it was so messy, my life. It was just so messy. But just one year after that, I became a Christian and God just got hold of me. And whether I like it or not, God just got hold of me and turned me around. And there was a, a radical change in my life. That, uh, that change was just so unbelievable that even my mom was surprised. That, how come God can change you like that? <laughs> and then uh, that's how God does. He does that. And he's still doing it till today. And he's changing me every day. And by his grace, I am what I am today. I think that grace is changing me. And uh, so I became a Christian. I took water baptism and I followed Jesus. And after that, no more turning back. Now, 23 years, over 23 years now, I've been with the Lord. I was serving the Lord right from the beginning. 
I was learning and serving, learning and serving. I have never been to any theological college or anything. I was just learning under the feet of some mentor who's mentoring me. So I was so blessed by that. And, um, and then I got an opportunity to fly to Oman, to work in Oman, and that's where I met Hannah. In fact, I was a full-time evangelist back home in India. I used to go and preach the gospel from 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock night. I would go to the schools, to the hospitals. I would go and meet people in the marketplace. I would just go out like that. And that's who I was before. And until uh, God said, I think you are like a dog without a leash, I think I need to send you to Oman to sort you out. And then I went to Oman. I got frustrated. I said, God, I'm really frustrated here in Oman. And I cannot do anything like what I used to do in, in India. And God said, no, I've brought you here for, with a purpose. And I didn't see that. One and a half year gone, I resigned. I said, God, I'm going to resign now. I'm going to leave. And that's it. And I haven't met Hannah. I don't know anything about, my, about Hannah that she's there in Oman. I don't know anything about her. And then I resign, I give the resignation, and then later on, in, in one of our, our house group that I was leading, a man came from India. He prophesied in that, in that meeting. Then he came to me. I didn't expect him to prophesy to me because I'm the leader of that meeting. But he came and said, open, I've got a word for you also. So he said, okay, tell me that word. He said, in three weeks from now, you're going to meet a woman who's going to be your wife. I said, oh my God, I've just resigned. <laughs> I'm planning to go back to Shillong and marry a nice Kasi girl and then stay there and work for God there. That's what I was aiming at. But God has another plan altogether. And then three weeks exactly, I met my wife, Hannah. And as soon as I met her, God just said, please tell her to marry you. <laughs> Boy, I just did exactly like that. Okay. <laughs> exactly like that. I didn't ask for a date. I think you from UK, <laughs> I will not recommend any of you to do this. I just went straight to Hannah. I said, God told me to marry you, Hannah. What do you think? <laughs> Hannah said, ah, we don't do like this in England. <laughs> I said, I know. <laughs> so that's how it, it happened. <laughs> oh. And then, in fact, Hannah, that same morning, she was reading a scripture from Habakkuk. She found a scripture that says, when he comes, he will not delay. And here I came, and I didn't delay. I straight away asked her, marry me. God told me to marry you. What do you think? And then Hannah said, okay, I'll have to ask my mom and dad. In fact, Hannah also kind of like felt that this is the right thing, I think. This man, he's so innocent, he just came and asked me to marry him. And when he, she asked her mom and dad, of course, her mom and dad, they flipped out. They just got said, who is this guy? <laughs> I think he wants to take advantage of you. <laughs> you shouldn't marry him. And then later on when I met them, and they really like me, so we're a very good friend with that family, uh, the Turlington's family. So that's how my life. Then I end up, I withdraw my resignation. I said, okay, I'll take my resignation. I'll stay in Oman. So God made me to stay in Oman. And after we got married, we started the New Frontiers. Okay, we started New Frontiers in Oman, and then till now, we're still going, growing in that, yeah. So I was not leading the church from the beginning, but I started leading the church from 2007 until now. So that's the church we are. We are a four congregations and one church, like David has mentioned. Multilingual is that we have got a Filipino church, a Tagalog. We've got an Indian, Hindi-speaking church congregation. We've got a Sri Lankan congregation. We've got the English congregation. 
but I think altogether we come once in a month as a church. We worship together. So then uh, we've got other nationalities. We've got South Africans, we've got Venezuelan, we've got Nigerian, we've got all sorts of people, Australians, we've got Americans. So we are very, very uh, multicultural church. So that's who we are, and I think that's the story of my life. <laughs> One Direction, here we go. <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> so David asked me to share this a bit, so that's why I thought I should share. It might encourage you to know that how I met Jesus and how I met my wife. And uh, it's just wonderful to see how God arranged all of that together. It's just amazing. And uh, I was just worshiping that, thinking about all the things. I said, how I landed up in this English church, and I was asked to preach, and I was thinking about my past, how I went through all this life with Jesus, and it's just amazing. So this is probably the third time I'm preaching in, in the U.K. I've never preached so much in the U.K., but I have done a lot in, in other nations where we went together with Dave Devonish, with, um, with other teams as well, so which is brilliant. Yeah, I heard Dave Devonish was here last week. It was a real treat for you, you know, when he, he came last year to us for the conference, and uh, we were really blessed by it. And I happened to hear him again in Myanmar when I went with him, and I was like, wow, glued to him. I really enjoy listening to him a lot, yeah. And he's a real, real encourager for me. So now I thought I'll share a scripture which you all know is a story. It's a story of a young, rich ruler. I think you know that story. You know it is recorded three in the three Gospels. That is in Mark and Luke and Matthew. The Bible says that he is a young, rich ruler because in some of the Gospels it says that he is a man of great wealth. He is very rich. So that's why they call it rich, young ruler, and the, the heading. I think this man, the story is that, I'll tell the story first, and then I will try to uh, do the exposition of the whole story, okay? This man came running and knelt before Jesus. And then he asked Jesus, said, Jesus, what must I do to get this eternal life? And then Jesus said, um, he looked at him and said, have you kept all the commandments? And he said, oh yes, of course, I've done all of that since I was a very young boy. I've done all of that. And then Jesus looked at him and said, okay, you've done well done. And now, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to be my follower, or you want to become a Christian, let me put it that way, I would like you to go home and sell all the things that you have. Then follow me. Then I think you will be worthy to come and follow me. And this man, the Bible says, he went home sad. He couldn't do that. And you know that story. He couldn't do that. He just went home very sad. And then Jesus turned to the disciple. He always sees the moment, Jesus. Every time when he does something, he sees the moment to teach his disciple. He looked at the disciple and said, hey, did you see that man? And they all saw it. They were there. They all saw what was happening. And he said, you see, it is easy for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And he said, wow. Then the disciples kept quiet. And they, they went back to the corner discussing among themselves. And they said, wow, this is really difficult. <laughs> Who then can be safe? They said. That's the word they use. Who then can be safe if it is really, dis it's really difficult to s sell everything? 
I think if Jesus asks us right now, go and sell off everything and follow him, I think none of us will be safe. <laughs> or maybe go and sell your iPad or your iPhone. <laughs> none of us will be safe because it would be difficult to sell your iPhone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, so that's, then Jesus said, it is with you guys, it's impossible, but with me, it's possible. So that's the story that Jesus was encountering this young rich ruler and the disciple. And there's another guy who knows he's a hot-headed disciple, Peter, of course. He's the one who jumped in so quickly because he's one of his disciples. Said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, we heard what you just said to him. In fact, we have left everything and followed you, he said. <laughs> And Jesus turned back to Peter and said, Hey, Peter. He said, I think you missed the point here. He said, Unless you leave everything, you are not worthy of me. So that, I will raise the level to that high, the level to the high. You are not worthy. And so that is an encounter of Jesus, this rich man, and Peter. So now let's look at this rich man first. And and uh, in the Greek translation about uh, a ruler at that time is a Greek word. It's called archon. That's how I pronounce it. Generally one, the one who has an administrative authority or an official leaders at that time. It was used also for various translation, for various Jewish leaders, including those in charge of the synagogue, and the members of the Sanhedrin. So that is the word ruler is used in the Greek there. So in Luke, we know that he was a rich man. In Luke, it recorded there, 1823, he was a rich man. So, but here we see this man in the first encounter with Jesus. I think you all sense it that he is, he feel inadequate about himself. He felt empty. He felt empty and inadequate and, and he wants to be safe. I think it speaks to us that being rich, it does not fill that emptiness in your life. Having lots of money and lots of things in life does not fill the emptiness of your life, of my life. I was like that. I was really, f I, f I, I used to drink a lot when I was not a Christian. I kind of like count, calculated how many barrels of drink that I have drunk, I think it walks out to 20 to 30 barrels. The big one, I mean, not a small one. Till the age of 23, just imagine. I didn't continue after that. And I was, I was thinking, I said, wow, where are, where are all those barrels? They didn't fill my emptiness. And I kind of, I didn't realize that I was looking for someone to satisfy me. I was thinking those barrels would satisfy me, clubbing, partying, and do all sorts of things, but they didn't really satisfy me. So I kind of like relate to this man here. He was looking for the same. He, was, he felt empty, inadequate. And another thing that we know that he is on the Pharisee side. He's not with the Sadducees. He believes Sadducees, they don't believe in heaven and hell, angels, they don't believe in any of that. He is a Pharisee, definitely. So he believes there's something there. And the third one is that he came with a preconceived thinking that he said, okay, I think I can earn my way to this place called heaven. That's what he is thinking. So I'll tell you the story now. I have to do some acting. I don't know whether you can see from there. Okay, the Bible say he came running. 
and then he knelt down. Just imagine, this man knelt down. Let me tell you, a young rich ruler at that time, what, what do they normally wear? There's a sight to behold here about this young rich ruler. They wear a robe that stands for honor. They wear a robe that stands for honor. That when they, when they walk on the street, everyone knows that he is a ruler. And that is a robe. And he, was a, he, he wears a, a prayer shawl, a shawl, I think they call it, S-H-O-W-L, a prayer shawl. He wears that, it's called a talit. And that also is a very respect. When you wear that, you just know that this guy is a very, he's a, he, he prays a lot. And then he wears a rings. And this rings also shows authority. So this man probably was wearing all of this. And his shoes that he was wearing, it means freedom. And he was wearing all of this. And he wears a little box containing a portion of a scripture he wears that little box containing that portion of scripture. And also, perhaps, he's one of the leaders in the synagogue. And he belongs to the Jewish council. And this man, with all of that, ran to Jesus. And the Bible says he knelt down. He really knelt down like this. And I think from that gesture, we can see that he was very sincere. He didn't really want to show up to Jesus and say, I have done everything to, to earn my, my place in heaven. He was very sincere. He went, Jesus, good teacher, he said. He didn't say Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, I said, why do you call me good? I think you got the point there. He was thinking all along that only by goodness I can make it to heaven. So he was thinking all along, and he said, why do you call me good? Because only God is good. No one is good. And because this guy was thinking all along that I can earn heaven with my goodness. So he came and asked and said, tell me now. He was really sincere, probably kneeling down, waiting for Jesus, hoping that Jesus would say, yeah, I think you will make it to heaven. But then Jesus asked him a question. Have you kept the commandments? As soon as he heard that question, guess his reaction. For me, when I read the scripture, I picture lots of things happening in that, in that, at that time. As soon as he heard the scripture, from a position of kneeling down, have you kept my commandment? Oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. He must be saying that in his heart. That's what I'm talking about. Kept the commandment, Jesus, I have done it since I was a small boy. Hmm. And then he was hoping that Jesus will say, oh, then, yes, heaven is yours. <laughs> Eternal life, you've got it for sure. And he was hoping that. But Jesus said, oh, no. <laughs> Let me raise the bar a little bit more higher. And he looked at him sadly and said, okay, I'll raise my bar a little bit higher. He said, if you really want to be a Christian or want to reach heaven, have eternal life, because that was a question, he said, go and sell everything and follow me. And the Bible says that this man couldn't do it. He went home sad. And then Jesus turned to his disciple and he said, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle 
than a rich man. When I was preaching this in, in Myanmar, when, if you say a camel, nobody understands a camel in Myanmar. So I said a buffalo to go through the eye of this, through this hole. <laughs> I said it's easier for a buffalo to go through this hole, and they all laugh <laughs> because it relates to them very well. It's easier for the buffalo to go through this than a rich man to go to the kingdom of God. So do you think that Jesus really meant it? Or is he trying to teach something for us here? Of course, the principle is there that we need to follow Jesus, but not in the way that this rich young ruler comes and, and anticipated and say, I think this is the way to go to heaven. If I have done all my commandments, if I have kept all things, I think I will go to heaven. And Jesus, in fact, we know later on, when he looked at the disciple, he said, I really didn't mean it in the way. And he said to the disciple, he said, you know, it's, it's difficult. That's why you are asking this question, who then can be safe? Let me tell you, in life, the more you want to reach God by your goodness, the more you want to reach God by obeying laws and laws and laws, the more Jesus will raise the bar. Because our goodness is not good enough for God. Only what He has done through His Son Jesus is good enough for us. And no wonder Jesus said, with you is impossible. There is no way you could make it to heaven. There is no way you could have eternal life. It's impossible with you. But with me, it's possible. Actually, he was preaching to them at that time, knowing that he's going to be dying on the cross, and they're going to be accepting him later on, what he has done for them on the cross. He said, when I died on the cross, that's where possibility, impossibility, become possibilities to reach heaven. And we see that here, the disciples were amazed. They were like, what can, what can we do then? And... Uh, then Peter jumped in quickly and said, Oh, I think, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. He was trying to boast about he has done more than what the rich man couldn't do. <laughs> he said, Lord, I have left everything. And Jesus raised the bar again. He said, unless you leave this, 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 this. He lists down so many things. And then he said, you are not worthy <laughs> of me. And then Peter kept quiet. And then he said, the first will be last and the last will be first. So I find that, have you ever found uh, uh, that people sometimes, they hate being lost, but they don't want to be found. <laughs> they hate it. They said, oh, we don't want, we just don't have uh, the life that, you know, that's why they spend going here and there to places that they're not supposed to be there. They spend lots of things into some addiction, but they are lost, but they hate being lost, but they don't want to be found. I got this phrase, let me tell you from whom? From Johnny. Do you know Johnny, the elder of the Birmingham church, church central? He rapped, he's a rapper. He rapped with this word. I said, wow, this word is really cool. You hate being lost, but you don't want to be found. I thought I will throw it here today. <laughs> the world today is like that. You look around you, they hate being lost, but they don't want to be found. That doesn't mean that there's no answer. There's an answer. We know it. Jesus is the only answer. 
And righteousness is something that we can only have it when we accept Jesus and the work that he has finished on the cross for us. When we admit that, when we acknowledge that, and then the righteousness of God just come into you. Wow. And in Galatians, Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians in, in chapter 2, 21, he said that if righteousness can be obtained by observing the law, then Christ died for nothing. So that's why Jesus died so that we can be safe. And through his death and resurrection, we can have eternal life. Let me tell you, I have tried. Where I have tried so many places that can satisfy me. I didn't get it till I met with Jesus. Let me boldly confess this. Jesus satisfied my life. And I've never felt unsatisfied after I received Jesus. And it's very unusual, but that's how I was. Because I was so extreme. When I met him, I was like the other extreme. And I was just so in love with Jesus, and I just wanted to learn more about him. And my first uh, walk with Jesus when I walk, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to do anything at that time. I just go and introduce Jesus to people. I just said, can you meet my friend Jesus? And he's a very good friend of mine, and he's changed my life. And Why don't you just come and meet him? And actually, you can meet him right now, or you can come to the meeting where we meet. Sometime he showed up. Most of the time, not sometime. Most of the time, he showed up in the meeting, and he meets people's need. And that's how I do. I was like an Andrew introducing people to Jesus. And you could do that. Because you've got to be convinced that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no goodness can save people. You can appreciate. You don't have to ridicule about their goodness. You don't have to talk bad about their goodness. But you can say that there is a Jesus that is beyond your goodness. That only Him you can be safe. Hallelujah. And you know, Jesus will always raise a bar. Whenever we try with goodness, He will raise When He raised a bar, well, let me tell you, there are three things that people will react, three groups of people. The, leg, the legalist, they call it, right? The legalistic, the legalist. They will go home sad, like this young rich ruler. The sinner, they will go home glad. <laughs> and the religious people, they will be mad. <laughs> Are you kidding that? The sinner will be glad because there's no way he could save himself. The sinner is the one that will not, do, will not try to do any good. <laughs> will just simply come to Jesus and say, Jesus can you please sort me out? Can you please come and take control over my life, rule over my life? The legalist will come and say, can I do this? Can I do that? But I'm, I believe that when they, if they encounter Jesus like this young ritualer, they will go home really sad because they can't do enough good to be safe. But the religious people will say, yes, this is, I'm really mad because Jesus took our position. <laughs> He started taking, he started, we are the priests, but he started saying that, you know, his children are the priests and he is a priest. And so they go mad. So I will tell, I, I believe with all my heart that if we are convinced that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, that is the only gospel we have, brothers and sisters. If we're trying to mix grace and do's and don'ts and laws and all that, it becomes a different gospel altogether. And, P and Paul said that in Galatians, 
is a different gospel. The only gospel is Jesus. And only He can really save us. Only He can really turn our life around, transform us. The minute we are convinced about that He really died for my badness, for my, all the things that I am, and I think when we, the minute we convince that, and you will see that your life is transformed. You are a child of God from the day one you gave your life to Jesus. From the day one you said, Jesus, this is what I want. I want you. I, I, have, I, I know that you have done it all for me. And I just want to accept you. And the minute you do that, you become a child of God. And no longer fear. No longer slave to fear. There's a song like that, right? I love that song so much. I am a child of God, no longer slave to fear. No, I felt in my spirit as I was preaching about this that some of you probably have a fear of rejection. Maybe you have been rejected in the past. All of us have been rejected. I've been rejected in my life. But I'm not, I'm not slave to that fear anymore. But I felt that some of you are fearful of that rejection even now. I felt God wants to deliver you from that. Okay? And you can be free from rejection, fear of rejection. The fear of being rejected again, you will be free from that. I felt very strongly God wants to deliver you from that fear. Because the fear of rejection, it just cripples you. It just brings you more and more injuries in your life. The more you try to serve God, the more injuries you get. When you have the fear of rejection. And I felt very strongly that God wants to heal you so that you can serve God with no injuries. <laughs> It's always good to play football with no injuries. It's always good to play tennis. I love tennis. When I have my injuries, I got really frustrated. The other day, I got my hand injuries. and I couldn't play for two weeks, and I got so frustrated. And a few weeks before that, I twisted my ankle, and that's another story. And the doctor told me, three weeks, you will be in the cast. And I said, really? He said, yes. <laughs> and I said, doctor, um, I said, okay, you're a doctor. I'll keep quiet. Then three days later on, they prayed over me in the church. They lay hand, they prayed, and I got healed. And I went back to the doctor four days. He said, three weeks, four days. I went to him and said, doctor, can you remove my cast? He said, why should I do that? Uh, I will be you know, sent off from Oman if I do that to you, if anything goes wrong with you. Then I said, is there any way that I can remove? Because I'm healed. Then he said, who heals you? I said, Jesus. And he really got, uh, uh, with respect, I said, I respect your profession. I respect your, everything you're doing as a doctor. But I would like my cast to be removed, please, because Jesus has healed me. So finally, I have to sign a paper, some paper. I didn't look at it because uh, he said, Can I sign this paper. I signed that paper. Finally, he cut my cast, came out. Just over a week, I started playing tennis again. So playing tennis with injuries is really not good. Serving God with injuries, with the fear of rejection, you get more injuries. It's not good. When you have the fear of rejection also, there's one more thing. That you will cocoon yourself. You will put yourself in a cocoon. You will not doing anything for Jesus because of the fear of rejection. So I felt that God wants to set you free from that. So that you can have the freedom that Jesus has set you free. That you will enjoy. It is for freedom that Jesus has set you free. That you will be free to serve Him, free to display it and blossom your personality to this world. It's no longer yours, it's Jesus' personality in you. I think God has come, has, He has done that on Jesus to set you free. Okay, T today I think, I, before I close, I'll just pray 
for that over you and that we just pray or if 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 you are one of that person if you can raise your hand we are a family here so don't be afraid for me i look at the church as a family i'm not afraid to admit anything in the church <laughs> i like i like that it's a family i don't know about here and if you don't want to uh, to to raise your hand and do that also it's okay but if you want i felt that god wants to heal you today he wants to deliver you because i will not know that you have that uh, so that I can tell your brothers and sisters next to you can pray for you and they, they can lead you. But I want to close with this. The last one is that those who have followed Jesus, those who have really followed and served Jesus, let's not put anything like Peter did. That, oh, Jesus, I have left my job to be an elder of this church. Oh, I have left the job to serve in this church. I have left. Don't put your things on those things. Actually, you have been, let's say, you have been accepted by Jesus just the way you are. <laughs> not because you have left your job, not because you have sacrificed something. Not because of that. Obedience is better than sacrifice. The, the obedience that you obey Jesus by accepting Him into your life, that is better than any sacrifice. Just accept that. Okay. So I will read you a story now, then we will close. You can f I'll take it from the book of Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Before him, God, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony, and you shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing, that's one thing we need to look at, those people who are doing lots of good things, just love them. Okay. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And this, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciple, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than the someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be safe? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up and he have felt every he said, We have left everything to follow you. And truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one has no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, home brothers as much in this present age. Home, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and children, along with persecution, he added another word, along with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Wow. That's a story we've just heard. 
Um, let's just close our eyes for a bit. Let's just, I just want to pray for that uh, spirit of rejection upon some of you. Uh, I don't know how to do this, but I'll just pray for you. And later on, you can meet the leaders of this church and get prayed because I felt that God wants to heal you of that so that you can be free to serve Him. Father, I just thank you for this word today. Thank you that, um, that your presence is here right from the beginning, Lord. You've just walked right in and show your love to people and reveal how lovely you are and how great you are and how, how loving you are. I pray right now, Jesus, that you will just come again, especially for those who have that fear of being rejected again in life and then not doing anything. God, I just pray that they will know that it says in Isaiah 53, 4, that you have been rejected and despised for them. That you have been rejected and despised for them. There's no beauty in you. You have turned them from ashes to beauty by your death and resurrection. God, I just pray, let that scripture speak loudly in their ears and their hearts and their minds right now that you have been rejected for them. That the fear of rejection will leave them right now in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke this fear of rejection. Right now, go away. Go away from anyone here, Lord, who have that. That they will be totally free for you. Because you have called us to be free. <laughs> Jesus, I pray for this freedom in each one of us here today. If that's the only one that really gets them into something that they cannot do anything for you, Lord, set them free right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.